Genesis 32 and verse 22. I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. Glad it's not a dead translation. It's living. During the night, Jacob got up with his two wives, his two servant wives. Man, this guy must have had a lot of money. His 11 sons, and he crossed the Jabbok River with them. After taking them to the other side, he sent over all his possessions. And this left Jacob all alone in the camp, and a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. When the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of its socket. Someone say, ouch. Ouch. (laughs) Then the man said, let me go for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. You've got to have a determination in life that you're going to get something good out of every circumstance that comes your way. You've got to milk your trial for blessing. You've got to milk your pain for blessing. You look for something good in everything that comes your way. I will not let you go unless you bless me. What is your name? The man asked. And he replied, Jacob. Your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. From now on, you will be called Israel because you have fought with God and with men and have won. We've got one more reading. Let's jump over to Genesis chapter 25. I conveniently had my little bookmark there, so I'm there already. If you're not, you're not as on fire for God as I am. (laughs) Genesis 25, and we're going to start reading in verse 24. It says, when the time came to give birth, Rebecca discovered that she indeed had twins. <laughs> there's, no, there's no one doing scans letting you know you need two porticots, you know, you need one of those mountain buggies with two sides to it. There's just, wait, and out comes two. She discovered that she had twins. That's a big day for discovery. The first one was very red because he was one of God's favorites. Sorry, no, no, no. But we all know that red here is a sign of God's favoritism, right? We've, we've got that scripturally. We know, that's, we know that's biblically accurate. The first one was very red at birth and covered with thick hair like a fur coat. I'm half in, half out, okay? And so they named him Esau. Then the other twin was born with his hand grasping Esau's heel. So they named him Jacob. So they named him Jacob. He was born with his hand grasping Esau's heel. So they named him Jacob. When my kids were very little, uh, I started to pray, obviously, from the moment they were born. I'd pray over them every night when I put them to bed. And when they were very, very little, maybe only one year old, I began to pray over their lives exactly the same prayer every night. I knew that this was a powerful moment. I knew that this prayer that I was praying over them could be formative in their lives. It was a blessing over their lives. I knew it had the potential to be tremendously powerful. I'm a wordsmith, I'm a preacher, so I put a little bit of time into this. I perfected it. Fortunately, they were only one year old and half conked out, 
My son always with a bottle in his hand. That kid's been hungry from the day he was born. And so they weren't that attentive in the first few months. So I had iterations. I perfected it over time. And in the first kind of paragraph of this prayer that I would pray over them, I would always pray concerning their names. So my daughter, Lara, her name means star or famous one. So the first line of her prayer, I haven't prayed it for a few years. I'm the first one to go to bed in my family now. But, you know, when I put them to bed when they were little, I would say, Lord, I thank you for Lara. I thank you that she is your star, your famous one. I thank you that she is full of beauty inside and out. My son, Will, his name means conqueror or defender. So every night, his prayer began with, Lord, I thank you for Will. I thank you that he is a conqueror and a defender of the faith, strong and courageous. Prayed the same prayer. It's been amazing over the years to see literally every verse of that prayer, every, every line of that prayer, I've watched it be answered in front of my eyes. It's been the most amazing thing. But when Will was maybe about, I don't know, maybe two or three years old, we're at a park together playing, you know, there's, there's bark on the ground and things you can climb and he was into it, he was running around everywhere and he came over to me in one moment and I said to him, Will, I love you so much, you are so special. My son, who's been told his whole life that I love him, that I'm proud of him, that he's got the hand of God upon him, looks up at me and he goes, no, I'm not. And he ran away. <laughs> Will, you are so special. No, I'm not. And he ran away. My heart began to beat. I'm like, my son needs to know that he's special. So I followed him around the playground, you know. <laughs> I come over to him in the playground. And I said, Will, Will, you are so special. And he looks at me and he goes, I am not. And he ran away. So I chased him down. I grabbed him. Now I'm like urgent. I'm like, look at me. Look at me, son. He looks me in the eye. I look straight at him. And I said, Will, you are so special. And he said, I am not. I'm strong and courageous. And it was an amazing moment for me because it helped me to realize that in the way that he thought about himself, in the name that was over him, in the label that he carried, the way he saw himself to be, he looked at himself and he thought, I am strong and I am courageous. In our lives, there's so much power in a name. And I don't mean your Christian name here, whatever your Christian name might be, Sasha or Debbie or Halcia or Zeke or Johnny or we could go on and on and on with different names that people have. I'm not talking here about your Christian name. I'm talking here about the words you use to describe who you are. Those are your name. The opinion that you have of who you are. The descriptives you use to describe the nature and character of the man or woman that you believe yourself to be. On the positive side, this can be tremendous. I mean, my son believes that he is a conqueror, that he is strong, that he is courageous. You could say, I'm talented, I am bright, I'm exceptional, I'm beautiful, hardworking, persevering. But on the negative side, you could say, I am ordinary, uncoordinated, lackluster, ugly, plain, mundane, lazy. Names. The names that you have for yourself have so much power. The name you have 
for who you are will be the single biggest determiner of the life that you live. Not circumstance, not pressure, not situations that you face, but the names that you have for the person that you are. They become ingrained in our lives. They filter the way that we see the world. They shape the way that we see ourselves, and they determine the way that we live. The name that we have for who we are will become a prophecy of the life that we are going to live. Because of that, we need to ask ourselves, where did those names come from? The name that you have for who you are, where did you get it from? Because the truth is, in most cases in our lives, the names we have given ourselves or the names other people have given us often aren't in line with the truth. The name that you have for you often comes from what you said or you did. At one moment of your life, you said something, you did something, and it went a certain way. And as a result of how it went, you named yourself, you described yourself in light of your experiences. The names that we have often come from what other people say about us. But what other people say about us is what they want to project onto us. It's how they want us to behave in light of how they see themselves. Hello, am I talking to anybody today? And because of that, the names that we have, they can get into our lives, they can grow and they can develop within us, they can mold us and they can shape us. And if we're not careful, pretty soon, the names that we have for ourselves become an accurate description of the life that we are living. Accurate, yet deceptive. Accurate yet imprisoning, accurate, yet in no way true, wrong, all at the same time. We conform to our name. In our passage of scripture today, we have the second passage I read out from Genesis chapter 5, we hit 25. We have the naming, we have uh, an insight in the journey of Isaac, where Isaac names his two sons. What's amazing about Isaac, if you know the story, you would know Abraham and Sarah, they believed for a child for 29 years after God promised them one. They weren't exactly teenagers when the promise came. They were 99 when he was born. So at 70, they received a promise. And for 29 years, they believed for a child to be born. And then finally, after 29 years, when Abraham is 99, little Isaac is born. Now, when little Isaac is born, his mother is, she goes through the pain of childbirth. The child pops out. She's holding the baby in her arms, and she is just giddy with excitement. She is so filled with euphoria that this child has been born to her that she begins to laugh. She's so excited. I can't believe I'm 99 years old, and I have a child in my hands. So Abraham, looking at this moment, he names his son Isaac. The word Isaac literally means he laughs or laughter. And I like that. I think that works. Forever and a day, Isaac gets to think about himself and think, I brought such joy into the heart of my parents that when I was born, they named me laughter. That's who I am. That's what I bring into the world that is around me. I bring joy to those that I meet. I bring laughter and hope into situations. I reckon that's a great name, don't you? Unfortunately, what walks in fathers runs in children. So Isaac develops a perspective that when children are born, you observe what you observe, and then you name them in kind with your observations. So when the time comes for Isaac to have his children, 
out comes the first boy, and the first thing that they notice about him is that he is hairy. And so they name him Esau, which in Hebrew literally means hairy. Well, it's not exactly ever going to be a trending name, is it? We're not going to find that on Google Top 10 Names 2021. Hairy, not going to kind of make it up there. You know what I'm saying? Maybe on Foot Rock Flats, that's about it. But anyway, hairy. And then the second boy pops out, and when he pops out, he is holding on to his brother's heel. So they name him Jacob. Now, there are Jacobs that are going to hear this message today, and the reason why you've been named Jacob is because God took the second-born twin and turned him into Israel and birthed a nation through him, and your parents probably wanted to identify with that kind of journey and declare that over your life, that it doesn't matter where you began or where you came from, God's going to take you and use you and multiply you and bless the world through you. That's what they meant with your name. But that isn't what they meant with Jacob's name. They mean he was grasping his brother's heel. The word Jacob has a double meaning. It doesn't just mean he grasped his brother's heel. It means deceiver or supplanter. One moment. One moment. The guy hasn't done anything yet. The sum total of what people have encountered of Jacob so far in his journey is just a momentary snapshot. He grabbed on to his brother's heel, and so they named him Jacob. His identity was birthed from what they experienced him in only one moment of time. Isn't that what happens to us? People don't know you. They only know what they've experienced of you. You might be 60, but you got named when you were six. One word on a playground. One action. One interaction. One failed attempt. One moment that didn't go right. They named you. So they named him Jacob. When he was too young to know any better. Before he could ever consciously be involved. Before he ever got really like an opportunity for conscious reflection, he was named, so they named him Jacob. I think the greatest miracle of Jacob's life is how far he was able to go with the name that he was carrying. Because sometimes when we think about our lives, we're doing quite well in life, and so we think there's no problem with the name that we have. But here's the truth. You can go a long way in life and still be deceived. You might be successful and still be tormented. And when we dive into the life of Jacob, we start to understand about him that he na- his name, the name that he carried over himself was Jacob. They named him Jacob. Who named you? If I was to dive into your life today, not the surface that you like to project, but if I was to get into your heart truth, peel back all those layers, get rid of all that hype, Get rid of that t-shirt you're wearing that makes you feel like you're the man or the woman. But you've got to get down into the core of who you are. Who named you? Who decided who you are? Was it a neglectful parent? Was it an angry cousin? Was it an abusive uncle? Was it the mean kids at school who named you? Was it the embarrassing moment that named you? Was it trauma that named you? 
Was it failure? Was it family environment that named you? Some people have been told all their lives that there's nothing special about them. It doesn't matter what your Christian name is. Ordinary is the name you're carrying over your heart. You might have a name that is full of promise that you get to put on your birth certificate or on your passport. But the truth is, there is a name written on your heart that is defining far more about your life than any birth certificate or passport will ever do. Come on, if you believe that, give me a little hello out there. You know what I'm talking about. And my friends, this is of tremendous power. And when I read this passage recently, it just struck me that they named him Jacob. And I realized nobody should get to name you but God. Nobody else should have naming rights over your life other than God. And the reason why is because of how we see. We name according to what we see. I mean, here in Wellington today, I'm sure it is in Auckland too, you get outside and it's a beautiful day. Beautiful day. (laughs) We look outside, we see the circumstances and we label it. We label the day based on the kind of day we would like it to be. We label everybody according to who we would like them to be. We label things according to static position. This is what it is right now, but that's not what God does. God doesn't look at you in a static moment. God sees who you could be. God sees the future. God sees your potential. God sees the original purpose for his creation. God doesn't look at you even with the name you've been living under and decide that he is going to talk to you or interact with you on the basis of how you see you. God sees the reason for which he made you. And that's why nobody should get to name you but God. Here's the thing. You look at a day that is full of rain and wind, and you say it's a horrible day. But God might look at the rain that is coming down that makes you feel like there's nothing special about this day, and he says, no, 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 no. Next summer, there's going to be food for you to eat because the rain is falling. That means the crops are growing. Sometimes in your life, you're going through horrible seasons, and you're looking at the season and labeling it as the worst thing that has ever happened to you. I want you to know God's looking at the same situation and he's saying, no, 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 this might be the best thing that has ever happened to you. This is going to be the making of you. Oh, if you hadn't gone through that, you would never have become the man or the woman that you are now. You had to experience that to get to where I'm taking you in your journey. He's working all things together for good. If you believe that, give him about five seconds of praise. Come on. That's the God that we worship. God says this horrible and hard season is the best thing you've ever experienced. And it's not because he's uncaring. It's because he has a different perspective. See, we see people in light of what they mean to us. And when people see us, they see us in light of them. They bring their drama. They bring their hurt. They bring their pain, their rejection. They bring their terrible moments and they see you only through the lens of your actions your mistakes your failings they only get to see what you've done they only get to see your past so they label you in line with who you were we name ourselves in light of one moment So we have a moment in our lives of failure or disappointment or embarrassment or shame, and we do what I call 
We make a negative attribution from adverse circumstances. We negatively attribute things to ourselves because of the adverse circumstances we've experienced. Did you know I quit preaching once? I did. Started preaching full-time, age of 19. Literally started preaching three to five times a week when I was about maybe in April of that year. In August of that year, I quit preaching. Why? I made a negative attribution from adverse circumstances. Nobody taught me how to preach. They just gave me a microphone and said, go out there and do it. And strangely enough, it didn't go that well. And because of that, I said about myself, I said, I'm not good at that. I'm not good at that. I named myself. You've named yourself. Something didn't go well, so you described yourself in line with it. You looked at a point in your life where you had a go at something and it didn't work out right. And so now you see yourself as that is who you are. You've named yourself. But in our lives, this is tremendously dangerous because here's the thing. You're still growing. You're not finished yet. He who began a good work. I need to preach to somebody in this room who needs to understand what God started in you isn't completed yet. What God's forming in you is not yet revealed. You're not the man yet that God wants you to be. You're not the woman yet that God is forming you to be. You're better than you were yesterday. You've made progress. If you believe you've grown already since the beginning of 2020, clap your hands and give your God some praise that who you are isn't bound to a moment in time. You're changing. You're growing. You're reaching. You're expanding. You're not labeled by where you've been. You're free to become who God wants you to be. You're not finished yet. You can outgrow your name. Somebody give God some praise right now. See, my friend, what you need to understand about God is God's the only one who doesn't see you in line with your actions. You've got to understand this. God sees you in light of your intentions. I need you to understand this because everybody else is going to look at you and they say, this is what you did, therefore this is who you are. We judge other people by their actions. We judge ourselves by our intentions. Here's the thing. God judges you by your intentions, by your aspirations. By your belief, God, God labels you according to the dream that he's placed on the inside of you. He's not trying to take you backwards because of who you are. He's trying to identify you with who he's called you to be. This must be true. This must be true. Otherwise, how does God turn up and find a man by the name of Gideon who is hiding in a winepress in fear and trepidation? Look at him and God never lies. I need to say it again, God never lies. God never speaks something that isn't accurate. Heard somebody say this week, God never lies, number one, because it's not his character, and number two, because if it wasn't true before he said it, it's true after he said it. I like that. God never lies. God's speaking to the man in the middle of this hole in the ground, intimidation and in fear, and he said, the Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. How can that be when what we know about him, we would name him Scaredy Cat. We would name him Coward. And God named him. God named him. Mighty Man of Valor. Let that hang over your life. 
See, when God names you, my friend, God introduces a new perspective into our lives of the person that we are. He said to Simon, you're not Simon, you're Peter. You're not a reed, you're a rock. He said to Abram, you are Abraham. You are the father of many nations, even though he was a 90-year-old childless man with a wife who'd already been through menopause. And he's naming him father of many nations. He's not naming you according to your present. He's not naming you according to your past. He's not naming you in line with what you've already experienced of you. He's naming you in line with the man or the woman that he's called you to be. Oh, we need to praise God a little bit louder than that because that's the God that we worship. So they named him Jacob. I wonder in your life who named you? Who named you? They named him Jacob. One of my best friends in ministry, uh, we started together. We were evangelists together, then youth pastors together. There's a man by the name of Andy Kabbala. He's preached in our church a bunch of times and you know, we, we, were, we got up to a lot of mischief. We were Christians. We were like evangelists, but we were kind of naughty, 20 years old at the same time. And, and we, we, we had a lot of fun together, and we started the journey together. And he was met with me when I started dating Jillian. And, you know, so many of our life memories are together. Andy Kabbalah, Andy Kabbalah. And we, and we were great friends. He's from Gore and Southland, you know, and, and got miraculously healed of cancer. And we were just great friends. Andy Kabbalah, John and Andy Kabbalah. And, we were youth pastors together, and then finally, at 29 years old, I moved to Wellington, and we began a rise church, and he became a traveling, healing evangelist, and you know, began to minister to the world. And one time, we decided we were going to have Andy come and preach at a rise, and so I was pretty excited. My friend's coming to town. We're going to preach, but we're also going to hang out. It's going to be really exciting. It's like a weekend off from the pulpit, and a lot of fun at the same time. And, and I kept telling the church, and the week's building up, Andy Kabbalah's coming, Andy Kabbalah's coming, Andy Kabbalah's coming, and then, then the day arrived that... Andrew was to come and preach. Andrew's come and preach. And, and someone comes up to me in the pre-service huddle, and they said, we noticed that you've been calling him Andy Kabbalah. And I said, that's because that's his name. <laughs> and they said to us, well, in all of his stuff that he's releasing these days, it's Andrew Kabbalah. Because we were youth pastors yeah. and children and trying to appeal to 15-year-olds. Yeah. So he was Andy Kabbalah. But now... He's a healing evangelist. <laughs> He's Andrew Kabbalah. He's in a new season. So he had a new name. I believe God wants to take you into another season in your life. But if God's going to take you into another season in your life, you want a new beginning. You need a new name. You need less of what people have said about you, less of what the devil's been whispering to you about you. You need God's perspective about you. I'm here to declare over your life that in 2021, God is saying about you, my friend, that you are not who you were. You are not who you have been. You are not what people have said about you. You are not even what you have said about yourself. You are the man God has called you to be. You are a woman chosen and anointed by God. This is your year. God has got greater things for you. You've yet to live your greatest day. You've yet to experience your greatest chapter. God's got a great tomorrow for you. God's going to bring you out into something new. If you believe it, I need you to give your God some praise. This is your moment. You are a man of God. You are a woman of God. Greater things are still ahead. 
Victory is around the corner. I need you to know, Auckland, I'm about to pour out my spirit upon men and women, raise you up to be the answer for that city. Great things are about to happen through your life. Come on, if you believe it's a new you in 2021, give your God some praise right now. Oh, you need God's perspective on you if you're going to step into what God has for you in this new year. See, we listen to so many other perspectives. We hear so many other stories. And here, God has wanted to say to you and I, he's wanted to say, you are a mighty man of valor. You might be living one way right now, but that's not who you are. He comes to you and he says, you're not Simon. You're not a reed. You're a rock. Isn't it amazing that after Simon was named Peter, he still behaved like Simon? Have you ever read that? When Simon denied Jesus three times in front of the fire, it was not Peter being displayed. Peter doesn't do that. Simon does that. So then Jesus turns up and he says three times, this is what Jesus said. I want to quote it for you so that you hear it. He said, Simon, do you love me? Simon, his name has now been called Peter, yet Jesus is calling him Simon. Jesus is coming to somebody hearing this message today who's been saying about themselves, I am, I am worthless. And he's saying, worthless, do you love me? Because I never made anything that was worthless. And if you love me, you need to know you're not the name that people put over you. You're not the name that you put over you. I'm here to tell you, if you love me, you are Peter. You're not broken, you're healed. You're not rejected, you're accepted. You're not passed over, you are chosen. You are highly favored. You're not weak, you are strong. You're not the tail, you're the head. You're not at the bottom, you're the top. If you believe it, give God some praise right now. See, my friends, there's so much power in your name. That's why when you read the New Testament, have you ever stopped to read the New Testament? Because when you start to read the New Testament, so many people think that they're going to read the New Testament. And when they read it, Romans, can't wait to get into Romans. Romans is going to tell me what I need to do. I'm going to get into Ephesians. Ephesians is going to tell me, God, what I need to do. What do I need to do? What do I need to do? I'm going to get into Galatians. It's going to tell me what I need to do. And I'm going to get it. It's going to tell me Hebrews. That's going to tell me what I need to do. And imagine your incredulity, your perplexion, your bewilderment when you read the New Testament and discover that the vast majority of what's written in the New Testament isn't telling you what you should do. The overwhelming theme of the New Testament is telling you who you are. It's not a book of instructions. It's a book of identification for a generation that has no idea who God has made them to be. God is saying, you are not the tail, you are the head. You are not rejected, you are accepted. You are not unloved, you are loved, you are chosen, you are favored. Somebody told you you're a reject and God says, I have accepted you, I have included you, I have welcomed you. Somebody told you you're a filthy, rotten sinner, but the New Testament tells you that you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. There's somebody here in this talk right now who literally believes your life will always be a mess because your family is cursed. Well, my Bible tells me in Galatians that Jesus became a curse for me when he hung upon the tree. And Ephesians 1 tells me that he has blessed me with every spiritual blessing in Christ. You're not cursed, you're blessed. Give God some praise in this room if you believe this to be true. 
I need the keyboardists to come and join me. So we've got, we've got in this amazing passage of scripture. We've got in this amazing passage of scripture. We've got Jacob in Genesis 32. And when we dive into Genesis 32, we're diving into the life of Jacob. When he is in a night of darkness and fear. If you know the story, if you go backwards, you would know that he cheated his brother to get the family blessing. And his brother says, I'm going to kill my brother. I can't stand him. And so Jacob flees for roughly about 15 years. Jacob has been away from home. And when we dive into our passage, Jacob is heading home again. And as Jacob is heading home, he sends a messenger ahead to his brother Esau's house to say, I'm coming to see you. And Esau, hearing that Jacob is coming, grabs a bunch of armed men, mounts up on horses, and starts to come out to meet Jacob. Jacob's assumption is my brother is coming to kill me. So Jacob literally divides up everything that he has. He keeps his family close to him, but he puts everything else everywhere. That's all about strategy. He's trying to get everything away from him so that even if he experiences some casualty, he doesn't lose it all. Then one night, after he's done all of this, he tries to go to sleep. You don't sleep well when you're afraid. He's awake. And when we started our passage, we read that he jumped up, got up in the night. And he grabs his family, all of his children, his two wives, his two servant wives, and he sends them to the other side of a river. He's thinking they will be safer there than here with me. And he's left all alone. And a man turns up, and the man begins to wrestle with Jacob in the night of his darkness and fear. Sometimes God's going to use the darkness and fear of your life to get you to a point where you wrestle with things that you've been avoiding before you got to that moment. Because when everything is good, you push certain things aside. And then when it's not going so well, you come face to face with what's been lurking there all along. Jacob is wrestling with this man. Wrestling. Wrestling. They wrestle literally all night. He must have been exhausted. The man, the Bible says, realizing the man is Jesus. And realizing that Jacob is not going to quit and lose this fight, the Bible says he takes Jacob's hip and he wrenches it out of its socket. And then the man tries to leave. And even though he's got a hip that is out of socket, I mean, I've dislocated my shoulder several times in my life. That's enough to take you to the ground and make you cry like a baby. I've never dislocated a knee. I hear that's extremely painful. Imagine your hip. I didn't want to know. The man says, I'm going. And he tries to walk away. And Jacob won't let him go. He says, I won't let you go. And the man says, let me go. Jacob says, no, I won't let you go. Let me go. No, I won't let you go. Let me go. I won't let you go unless you bless me. All right. Well, what is your name? So they named him Jacob. Well, what is your name? If your hip is out of socket, what part 
of Jesus' body do you think Jacob's hanging on to? Is he hanging on to his shoulders? I mean, if my hip's out of socket, I don't think I'm going to be bouncing on one leg successfully in a wrestling match. Is it around his hips? Well, he might have started there, but I think he would have failed pretty quick. Let me go. I won't let you go. What do you think he's holding on to? He's holding on to Jesus' heel. He's holding on to Jesus' So they named him Jacob. He is a deceiver. He is a supplanter. He grasps his brother's heel. So what is your name? My name, my name is Jacob. I am Jacob. What I'm doing right now, that's who I see myself to be. What I'm doing right now, that's who I am. Self-discovery precedes all life change. Sometimes you have to get to a point in your life where you're being confronted with the lie that has been deceiving you all your life so that you can realize that's the way you see yourself. Therefore, that's the way you live your life. But just because that's the way you see you, just because that's the way somebody named you, just because that's what's over you, it doesn't mean that's the truth about you. And so God said to him, you're not Jacob, you're Israel. They named you Jacob, but that's not the name that I have for you. They saw you this way, but I don't see you that way. Your name is Israel. The word Israel literally means God prevails. See, he's saying to Jacob, he's saying, Jacob, I want you to replay your story. God's saying to somebody here in this talk today, I want you to replay your story. Because you've seen yourself one way, but I want you to change the way, sometimes the way you're viewing the central character of a story determines the way you see the story. And God is literally saying to people in this auditorium, change the way that you see you and you'll change the way you see the story. See, you've seen yourself one way, but I'm here to tell you, you are not Jacob. You're not a deceiver. You are Israel. You are a testimony. You are a testimony. Oh, you might have been born second, but I still made you first. You might have run away, but I'm still going to bless you. You might have had everybody try to rip you off, but still you prevailed in the face of life. Everything might have been stacked against you, but still I worked something for good. Somebody needs to hear it. They might have hurt you. They might have rejected you. Pain may have been over you. But God's here to tell you today, you're not the name somebody else gave you. You're not the rejection that you've been through. You're not the abuse that you've suffered. You're not the pain of your past. You're not the neglect that you're known. You're not the self-hatred that you've inflicted upon yourself. You are different. You are chosen. You are favored. You are highly called. God's hand is upon your life. I need you to praise Him like you believe it today. You are chosen by God. See, friends, in Isaiah 62 and verse 2, your band can come and join me. I want you to stand to your feet today, church. In Isaiah 62 and verse 2, the Bible tells us, you shall be called by a new name which the mouth of the Lord will name. I want to say it again. You shall be called by a new name which the mouth of the Lord will name. I need to say it again. You shall be called by a new name which the mouth of the Lord will name. 
You're not Simon, you're Peter. You're not Jacob, you're Israel. You're not Hoshea, you are Joshua. Isn't it amazing that when John the Baptist and Jesus were born into this world, God was so concerned that the way they saw themselves and the name that was over them was going to be correct from the start. Such was the importance of the destiny of John the Baptist and Jesus that Gabriel, it's the only time it's happened in all the Bible that angels names children. The angel of the Lord is wanting to name somebody today. The angel of the Lord turned up and he said to Mary, you were to name him Jesus. Turned up to Elizabeth and said, your child shall be called John. And then the father couldn't even grasp it. So he said, well, you're not even going to get to speak. I don't want your voice having any part in the formative process of this miracle. You've got to shut out every voice that doesn't believe the promise of God. You've got to shut out every voice, every voice of the devil, every voice of your fears, every voice of your trauma, every voice of your past. Because you've got to know that you are who God's called you to be. You are a man of God. You are a woman of God. I bind every lie of the devil that's made you think that you can't be who God's called you to be. I refute every lie. I pull it down. And I declare over every life. In Jesus, you are a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You're an overcomer. You're being led in triumphal procession. You're the head and not the tail. You are loved. You are accepted. You are forgiven. You are redeemed. You are blessed. You are favored. You are victorious. You are destined. You are alive. And you are full of power. And if you believe that, give your God some praise right now. Over every life, over every life, over every life. Lift your hands to heaven. Every venue that's here in this, come on, Wanganui, lift those hands high. Come on, Masterton, reach out right now. Auckland, lift every hand towards heaven. Close your eyes. I declare over every person that is hearing this message today that as we launch into this new year, it's not just a new year, but it is a new beginning. I break the lie of every name that has been named over people. And in the name of Jesus, I declare every prisoner free, every cell to be open, every life to be released. And I declare Isaiah 62.2 over every person under the sound of my voice. You shall be called by a new name, which the mouth of the Lord will name. You shall be called by a new name, which the mouth of the Lord will name. I declare that, I declare that in the mighty name of Jesus. Well, hello everybody, our online family. Love you guys so much. Hope you're all having a wonderful day. Uh, we're now in the car. We're driving to our next venue, uh, which is the Michael Fowler Center. But I just wanted to take a message, moment and just uh, talk about that message because it's a message that's deep on my heart. I really do believe that in our lives, there are so many things that have been projected onto us by ourselves, by the devil. Remember that the war against the devil begins with your thoughts. The Bible says that our fight is not against flesh and blood, but begins to describe strongholds and arguments, pretensions, and then the battle begins in your thoughts. And the devil gets in there and he tries to use your experiences and what people have said about you and uh, the things that have been projected onto you to make you believe about yourself, that you're different from what God has destined you to be. And you need a new name. You need Isaiah 62 verse two. You need a name that the mouth of the Lord is gonna name you with. And I declare that over your life today, I really do. 
I'm so glad that you've joined us today and I pray this has been meaningful for you and we're believing for God's blessing to be over you. If you're new to our YouTube channel, and I'd love you to subscribe also to our podcast, make sure that you do. There's two more parts of this series still to come and I can't wait to share more on the making of me and we'd love to make sure that we're able to contact you and be in touch any way that we can. So reach out to us, let us know who you are. We love you, no matter where you are in the world, we're praying for you, praying that God will be with you. Keep you safe from this COVID pandemic and bless you in spite of all the craziness that is in our world right now. We love you and we'll see you soon.